guys, what is up and welcome to Bridge Youth. We are so stoked you are here. Service starts at seven, that's in five minutes. Um, please be sure to use the bathroom before service starts. That would be a good time. And if you're here, you're family to us and we are so happy to be spending this night with you.
service is in just two minutes, so make sure to grab your seat, turn off your airdrop, and if you're watching online with us this evening, comment something so that we know you're watching. Tonight will be awesome. We are so stoked that you're here. What's up, Bridge Youth? How are we doing tonight? What's up, everybody? This feels a little different, huh? You guys notice anything a little different? No? Okay, yeah, this is normal. Yes, yes. Welcome to Bridge Youth. Hey, my name is Kenneth. And I'm Isaiah. We like to say every week at Bridge Youth that we're here to build you up, not... Beat you up. Yes, yes. Whether we're on stage or whether we're on a carpet in the middle of the room, we like to just let everybody know that we're here for you. And if it's your first time here... Your family to us. Familia, yes. Yes, yes. And we like to start off every single week at Bridge Youth with something that we call family time. Yeah, so everyone stand to your feet real quick. We got a family time question for you as always. And our family time question this week is very controversial. Is spaghetti or ravioli better? Go. Go, 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 go. Spaghetti or ravioli. Spaghetti or ravioli. If you don't know what ravioli is, I don't blame you. I did it. Everybody, on the count of three, shout out your answer. Spaghetti or ravioli? Ready? One, two, three. Ravioli. Spaghetti. Somebody said stromboli. <laughs> that was not an option. <laughs> All right, but you know what goes great with spaghetti? Garlic what? bread. Oh, uh, yes, Italian food. It's making me hungry. 
All right, y'all, we got you guys' announcements. We got Ken starting off with the first one. First one is join us on Sundays. If you're only on Bridge Youth tomorrow, Wednesdays, you're only here for half of the fun. Make sure you join us on Sundays at 11.30 for Connect Groups. We want to make sure that we see you guys all at least two times a week, so hopefully we'll see you guys this Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Also, right now is your one time you can take out your phones unless you're going to be taking notes later because you can follow us on social media at BridgeYTH. We got, uh, oh, YTH underscore. YTH there underscore, we please. Uh, we got Instagram, we got TikTok for all your uh, Bridge Youth needs and entertainment. Next up is Bible School Clubs. We are at five different campuses in Temecula, Marietta. If you're at Vista, Chaparral, Dorothy, Day, or Bella Vista, we would love to see you guys during your campus clubs, which meet either during lunch or after school. If you'd like more information, come and find me at any point in the service, and we'll make sure that we get to see you guys on your school campuses. Also, if you guys would like to give, if you got any ties or offerings, we got the bucket in the back by the double doors. You guys know the drill. Or if not, if you guys don't have any physical cash or anything, you guys go ahead and give online or on the app. Just make sure you guys select youth when you guys are giving. All right, before we get into worship today, we're going to invite up to the carpet our youth pastor, Pastor Corey White. What up, guys? How we doing tonight? What up, guys? How we doing tonight? All right, forget you guys. What up, guys? How we doing tonight? I'm going to be preaching this way mostly. What's up, guys? How you doing tonight? So, what's up, guys? How we doing tonight? There we go. There we go. Middle section getting live now. Hey, um, tonight we're kickstarting a, what's up guys, how we doing tonight? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> tonight we're kickstarting a brand new series entitled, everybody drum roll. It's entitled The Middle. That's why everything's been taken off the stage and it's right down here in the middle. Now here's the thing, um, why do we do things from a stage in church? Can I tell you, we don't do things from the stage for the sake of elevation, but for the sake of observation. Here's what I mean by that. The only reason we do things from a stage is because of, you see how, you see how like, see how this section is right now experiencing me? Like I got a keyboard between us. I'm like, some guitar player guy, let me swoop past you. Hi, like, well, like, it's just kind of easier to see things from the stage, right? Like it makes for better camera angles. It makes it to where when whoever's speaking or hosting service or whatever, you can see him more easily. But what's happened, I think, a little bit is that we've misconstrued the stage, we've misconstrued the platform, and we think that the people who are elevated on the platform have an elevated value, and that's not really the truth. And sometimes I think in church what's happened is we think the pastors, the worship leaders, those who are up on the stage, that they're just so disconnected from the lives that so many of the rest of us live. But the reality is, is that so many of us, we are right smack dab in the middle of life and struggle and trials and tragedy and triumph and victory and joy and sorrow and depression and all the things that life brings. So we thought for one month, for one series, We'd bring everything off the stage and we would all just get down here in the middle together because we're all in this together and that we would just change things up. So for this series, we're gonna be doing worship down here. I'm gonna be preaching from down here. Everything's gonna happen right here from the floor. 
where we're all in this together. We're all having moments with God together. Here's what I'm anticipating. Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm believing that God's gonna do new and unique things throughout this month. In our times of worship, in the message, in our, in our times of uh, uh, seeking after God. And in fact, we're, we're gonna do a song of worship right now, but the majority of worship's gonna be after the message. I know that's so different. I know we usually do one song after the message. We're gonna do two, maybe two and a half songs after worship, maybe eight, who knows? <laughs> But there's not going to be any front of the room. See, often like 85, 90% of us gather like right over here. But there's no front of the room tonight. So really the only rule is if you want to come up, if you want to press up, if you want to be standing next to a bassist or guitarist, don't touch the keys. He'll punch you. Just kidding. The Holy Spirit will just like, I don't know, you'll go to hit the keys and you'll just feel like a little zap. That'll be the Holy Spirit being like, don't do that. He's the keyboard player, you're not. But really the only thing is if you come up, just be mindful of what's around you. Don't knock anything over. If you want to stay at your seat and worship, stay at your seat and worship. But I just think that it would be so unique and so special if we together just stepped into a moment and said, this isn't about stages. This isn't a performance. This isn't a concert. We want to experience God. Amen. Anybody else want to experience God together this month? So would you do this? Would you guys stand to your feet? If uh, I know front row, you're already up front. If anybody wants to make their way towards the middle, you're more than welcome to. I'm going to pray, and then what we're going to do is we're going to worship together. Let's pray. God, you are so good, and we love you so much. God, you're faithful. God, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You're always with us. God, you're our healer. You're our provider. You are our strong tower. You are our ever-present help in time of need. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God, your promise still stands over our life. And for that, we worship you, we honor you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now let's worship God together.
just to see us all worshiping together in one space. We're not elevated on the stage. We're down here in the middle together. And I'm so excited for what God's going to do in this new series because I believe that there's a freshness in what we're doing. There's a change up in what we're doing because we don't want to be set in routines. And here at Bridge Youth, God has called us to do life together. And so this is us together worshiping. So it's such a beautiful sight to see us worshiping together. And as you guys prepare your heart for the message tonight, I want you to think of one thing that you are so thankful to God for. I have a list of things that I am so very thankful to God ways where he showed up in my life, moments where he gave me peace, and just a million other things that he showed up in my life for. And so I want you to think of one thing as we prepare our hearts for the message tonight, because God wants to speak to all of us, even me. He wants to speak to every single person in this room. And so here at Bridge Youth, we believe in the next generation. We believe in you guys. We know that there is so much hope, that when the world says there's no hope in you guys in this next generation, God says there is hope and he wants to use you. And there's incredible, incredible things that God wants to do in and through your life. And so I want you to just think of one thing that you're thankful for. And so tonight we're going to have Lily, one of our students, come up. She's going to pray before we get ready for the message. So, my friends. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I pray we can see your hand in everything tonight, God. Let us learn to be intentional and have a yearning to be with you always. We are desperate to see your presence working in unique ways tonight, Lord. I pray that we can learn to anticipate your spirit working in this season and hold on to what you have spoken, God. We just praise you and we love you. We thank you for moments like these, God. Let us hold on to them, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, as you head back to your seat. Tell the person next to you, I'm so glad you're here. What's up, guys? How you doing? You guys feeling good? I know you're like, whoa, we have jumped into the message so quick, but that's because the majority of our worship will be at the end of service. Hey, if you got a, if you got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. If you got a Bible, that's in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, actually. Go to Matthew 14. Hey, just want to take a really quick moment and just say uh, welcome to anybody who's joining us for the first time. I know we don't have 
the camera feed on those like we usually do, but our online service is still happening. So if you're joining us in the room or online, we want to say welcome, especially if it's your very first time with us. We love meeting new people. It's one of our favorite things in the whole world. You already heard Kenneth say this once. I'm going to say it again. We like welcoming our guests every single week by saying we're here to build you up, not... I realized I can't hold the mic out like this because there's people everywhere. Usually I go that way, but now I'm just going to have to like straight up so it catches everybody. Hey, you don't have to believe to belong here. If you're in the room, you are family. We're so stoked that you are here. Hey, tonight we're kicking off a brand new series entitled The Middle. Everybody say The Middle. Everybody say The Middle. Where's all my middle children at? You're a middle child. God bless you. I love you so much. Where's all the oldest child? You're the oldest child. All right, everybody else in the room hates you. Where's all the babies? You're the youngest child. Everybody else in the room hates you. Where's the only child? We're indifferent, that's cool for you. Um, Where's my middle children? God bless you. Mom and dad, they hardly remembered our birthdays, let alone our name, let alone our existence. (laughs) All right, you're my people. I love you so, so much. So here's the thing about this idea of the middle. So much of life happens in the middle. In the middle of what? In the middle of where you are and where you're going. In the middle of you've set some goals, but you haven't achieved them. In the middle of, you have a dream, but it hasn't come to fruition. You're living in the middle of, I've prayed, but God hasn't answered my prayer. You're in the middle of, hear me, who you used to be and who you're going to be. You're in the middle of, I'm not, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I should be. I'm right here in the middle. So much of life happens in the middle. And that's one of the reasons we brought everything off stage is because we all, somebody say all, look at your neighbor, say that means you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, say that means you. Now pick a section that's not your own across the room and go you. (laughs) We all, all of us, we deal with, we, we all live life in the middle, in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of triumph in the middle of joy, in the middle of struggle, in the middle of heartbreak, in the middle of love, in the middle of a great season, in the middle of a bad season, in the middle of mountaintops and valleys low, so much of life happens in the middle. And that's what this series is all about. What to do in the middle. And tonight we're gonna talk about being in the middle of a storm. In the middle of a storm, if I, if I were to have a subtitle, a secondary title to tonight's message instead of the middle, week one, I would call this the storm and the call. The storm and the call. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's your sermon in a sentence. It's coming at you in the form of a question. Your sermon in a sentence is this. God is calling. Will you answer? Let's pray. God, you're good. Speak to us. Amen. Um, Have you ever received a call that's changed your life? Maybe a text that's changed your life? A big deal call, you know, maybe it's like, hey, you made the team. Maybe for you, uh, it was, hey, you got into that school. 
Maybe for you, it was uh, that call came in the form of a letter that says, will you be my girlfriend? Check yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> anybody, anybody ever got a maybe? <laughs> There's one call that's like we all know this call. For me, growing up, I knew this call very, very, very well. This call came from my mother, um, my mother who from across the house, from across the house could immediately make my blood go cold, could immediately send shocks of adrenaline through my heart. This was when my mother would call me, not just by my first name, come on somebody, but my first and my middle name, where she would go, Corey Devon. And I knew if my mom called me by not just my first, but my first and my middle name, that meant one thing. Everybody say one thing. I'm getting whooped. That's what that meant. I am getting whooped. Shout out to all the people who still get spanked. <laughs> to all of you who don't. You're like, my parents don't spank me. Yeah, we could tell. <laughs> We've noticed. <laughs> um, I swear, parents literally give middle names to us so that we know when we're in trouble. Like, that's the only point. Why else give us a middle name, you know? Legal documents, you only got to do first and last. But you know when you're in trouble because mom's going to, dad's going to hit you with first and middle. There's a call that all of us have to answer, um, a call familiar to each and every one of us. It's the call of nature, the call of the bathroom, the call of I've got to hit the urination station. I answered this call one time. Some of you might have heard this story before. Some of you haven't heard this story. I was uh, school clothes shopping, uh, and we were school clothes shopping in downtown Riverside. I grew up in East Riverside, and we were in downtown Riverside, and we were at a thrift store. Now, let me preface this story by saying um, this was before thrift stores were cool and trendy. And if you don't know, um, there are, like, levels to thrift stores. There's, like, the Nordstrom of thrift stores. You know what I'm saying? There's, like, Goodwill. Salvation Army, this was not one of those thrift stores. This thrift store was way down here on the scale of thrift stores. You might say, Corey, how bad could it be? This is how bad. I went, I had to go, I had to, I had to go peepees. <laughs> so I go to the employee, I said, hey, I, I have to use, the, could I use your restroom? And the employee turns to me and looks me in the face like this is normal and says, oh, we don't have a bathroom. And I said, well, what type of Mickey Mouse operation are you doing? Like, huh? And I was like, well, you, I, I, think, I, I think you misunderstood what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is I am on the verge of peeing my pants. Can I use your employee bathroom? You know what she said? She said, we don't have an employee bathroom. So you don't have an employee bathroom. So then I asked her the next most logical question. Where do your employees go to the bathroom then? And she says, they usually go across the street to the Carl's Jr. So I, I've been to this Carl's Jr. a million times. I used to skate downtown Riverside all the time. Shout out to all the skateboarders. I used to skate downtown Riverside all the time. The amount of spicy chicken sandwiches that I have bought from this Carl's Jr. establishment. I was putting their kids through college, man. And so I went over there, and I was like, fine. So I, I go, I'm like running at this point. I'm running at this point because I have to go to the bathroom so bad. I get to the crosswalk, you know, and I hit the button, the boom. And then I'm like, oh, I hit it again. And I start, because you know, like in, in, es in escalators, escalators don't have buttons. Elevators, elevators, crosswalks, anything like that. You know, the faster you hit it, the faster it changes. 
It's not true. <laughs> you ever hit the one that's like, wait, wait. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, bro, that's shit. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I, like, I'm like, I got a mixtape on the crosswalk right now, and it's fire. I'm going crazy. So I, I run over there. Now here is, as a veteran, as a veteran of CJ's, that's Carl's Jr., as a veteran I knew this, downtown Riverside, y'all don't know nothing about this here in Temecula. In Marietta, Temecula, Murtech, y'all don't know anything about this. In certain places and spaces of the world, places you would call the hood, <laughs> you actually can't just go into an establishment and use the bathroom. There's like a coin thing, like a quarter machine on the bathroom to get into the bathroom because there's like... Where I grew up, there was like a huge problem with homelessness. And so they didn't want the homeless people just living in the bathroom. So you got to put a coin in. And I knew this. So I go up to the register. There's a big old line, though. Of course there is. I'm about to pee my pants. Massive line. So I run up to the register. I'm like, hey, could I get one of the coins for the bathroom? And she says, sir, you got to wait in line. And I was like, you don't understand. I just got to use the bathroom. Sir, you got to wait in line. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I go. I wait in line. I'm doing this thing already. Like, I'm breathing heavy. I'm like, I'm gonna pee my pants. I'm gonna pee my pants. I'm gonna pee my pants. I'm gonna pee my I get up to the front, and the lady's like, Hi, what can I get you? And I'm like, Hey, I just needed a coin for the bathroom. I have to use the restroom. And she hits me with this Sir, the bathrooms are for customers only. I said, first off, lady, I'm putting your kids through college, okay? You know how many spicy chickens I have bought from your establishment? An insane amount, like insane. And I said, could you please just give me a coin? I'll use the restroom. I'll go across the street. I'll get a $1.07 from my mom, come back and get a spicy chicken. And she says, I'm sorry, sir, it's policy. And I was like, ma'am, please, like you don't understand. I really have to go to the bathroom. She's like, I can't. It's for customers only. You know that moment? The moment where like, you know, I'm not making it to the bathroom. Either other way. And it dawned on me. I'm right here like, I'm going to pee my pants. But I had like this moment in my own heart where I, I, I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to pee my pants, I'm going to pee my pants on my own terms. So I looked at the lady, dead in her face, this poor, defenseless, naive Carl's Jr. employee. And I said, listen, ma'am. If you don't give me a coin for the bathroom, I will pee myself right here, right now. To this day, I will never, ever forget what this woman said to me. She looked me straight in the face, and she said to me, Sir, don't be ridiculous. So I looked her dead in the face. I lifted both my hands like this, and I peed my pants in Carl's Jr. that day. I tried to warn you. I was trying to tell you I'm going to pee my pants, and I pee my pants on my own terms. Now, here's the thing. I wish I could tell you that I was like 10, 11 years old. I was 16 years old. 16. I wish I could tell you I was wearing black jeans like I am today. I was not. I was wearing like tan cargo shorts. I remember because they were the brand utility, and they were the pants that uh, you could wear pants, but then you had zippers. You know what I mean? Like if you started the day in pants, halfway through the day you wanted shorts, you said zip, and then all of a sudden you had shorts, they were tan. You saw all of it, everything. All of my pee, you saw every bit of it. It was all over the floor, and I walked out of Carl's Jr. like this. I said, yeah, 
I walked across the street back to the thrift store. My mom and my older brother said, what happened? I said, I peed my pants. That's what happened. <laughs> Ask stupid questions. You get stupid answers. <laughs> Have you ever, like that was a call that I answered, and I answered it the wrong way, wrong place, wrong time. Let's be honest. <laughs> I think that tonight God is throwing out a call right in the middle of your life, your season, your situation, right where you're at. Whether things are great or things are terrible or things are somewhere in between, right in the middle of your situation, God is throwing out a call. The question is, is whether or not you will answer that call. Look at your neighbor, say, pick it up, it's for you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, tell him you look good. All right, Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. We're gonna read a handful of verses. I know this is a little bit different structure I've given you sermon in a sentence. Now we're at scripture. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand for the honor of the reading of God's word. Would you stand all over this place? We're going to go Matthew 14, 22 to 28. And then we're going to hit 28 and 29. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. It says this. It says immediately. Everyone shout immediately. Immediately, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, there, uh, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted. That's just a fun word to say. Everyone say buffeted. It was buffeted by waves. <laughs> That's just a fun word to say. Because the wind was against it. Verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, the fourth watch would have been somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Like, no big deal. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, someone say immediately, said to them, take courage in his eye. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, Lord, if it's you. Tell me to come to you on the water. Pause. Don't sit down yet. We're not quite done reading. Um, any risk takers in the room? Like outgoing people? Okay. That's kind of, okay. Very general question. Let's kind of like divide the room real quick. Who in the room you would go skydiving? Where you at? Lit. How many people in the room you would do the shark cage? You'd get in a shark cage with great whites? Great whites. Great whites outside the shark cage? Who would bungee jump? Okay. Uh, who would cuddle up on a Thursday evening and watch two hours of Netflix under the covers? Okay, okay now, now that we're all inclusive. <laughs> for you risk takers in the room, for the skydivers, for the shark cage people, you, like me, can probably relate to Peter right here, and all I could think about is the other 11 disciples' faces. When it's the middle of the night, the middle of a lake, the middle of a storm, and there's just somebody walking on the water. They thought it was a ghost. And Jesus is like, hey, don't trip, chocolate chip. It's me, Jesus. And then Peter goes, oh, well, if it's really you, Jesus, tell me to come walking to you on the water. I immediately see the other 11 disciples like, what is, it's, like, it's like the Christmas where we, me and my brothers got a trampoline and we jumped on the trampoline for an hour and then I said, hey guys, let's pull the trampoline next to the house and jump off the roof onto the trampoline. <laughs> and my brothers are like, huh, you're trying it first. I was like, fine. <laughs> like if that's you, you're gonna love this, 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 te this text. You're gonna love this story. Because 
Peter comes up with this crazy big idea, this risk idea, this big faith idea. When was the last time that you did something risky for God? Let's read two more verses. Verse 28 and 29, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, Jesus' response right here, he says, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. You can be seated. If you're taking notes, God loves you more, so do I. Write this down. We actually got four points that I'm going to jam through. Number one, first point tonight, one word. The word is this, jump. Everybody say jump. Jump. I could preach an entire message about Peter just jumping out of the boat. The trust, the faith, the confidence it must have taken in Jesus to jump. But have you, look at your neighbor, say you. Have you jumped out of your boat yet? Some of y'all are like, I ain't even been in a boat. <laughs> I've never even been on a boat. What are you talking about? How does Peter jumping out of a boat 2,000 years ago have anything to do with us? Here's how. The same thing the boat was to Peter 2,000 years ago, it is to us today. It's the place where he was safe. He was dry. He was warm. There was no risks to be taken. It was the place where he could be comfortable and complacent. It was the place that involved and took no risk. Where's that place for you? That place where you are just safe and comfortable. There's no risk involved. There's no discomfort. You don't have to trust God for anything. I think, I think, just me personally, I think that that is the exact place that God is calling us out of tonight. Somebody say amen. I think God has called. So have you jumped out of your boat yet? I thought about this. How can we believe that God is extraordinary yet believe that his plan for us is just ordinary? How can we believe God is extraordinary, but the plan he has for our lives is just plain ordinary? The call to us to jump out of the boat right in the middle, this is something that takes great faith. But I don't know about you, I'm ready to take big steps of faith. If you're with me, say amen. Come on, if you're the risk takers, the, 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 the skydiving, bungee jumping, shark cage people, say amen. I don't know about you, I've, I've always been a sort of risk taker. I, I have a motorcycle. My, my, my wife cried when I told her I was going to buy a motorcycle. You know what I told her? I said, look, babe, I'm a man. Why are you Why? What's funny about that statement, first off? I said, I'm a man, and there was a slight giggle throughout the room. Why? What's, what's so funny about that? I don't understand the humor in I'm a risk taker. Like I've always been, I love what Rick Warren says about faith. Rick Warren said this, write this down if you're taking notes. You might want to remember this. Faith always means risk. You can't tell me you stepped out in faith and it wasn't a risk. Faith always means risk. And I think that God is calling us, you and me, every single one of us, regardless of what season we might find ourselves right in the middle of, God is calling us to take some risk. But here's the thing, let me add something here. Extraordinary moments often feel very ordinary in the moment. Did you hear me? Extraordinary moments often feel very ordinary in the moment. Um, I'm going to say something that I actually hate saying because it always sounds like a flex. So I used to be in a band. <laughs> it wasn't cool. It wasn't a great band. Hardly anybody listened to us. But I did get to tour the country with a bunch of my friends. And that was awesome. 
And when we were in, I can't remember what city it was in. I think, it, I want to say it was Chicago. We met this young man named Wiley. Yes, his name was Wiley. Wiley showed up like six hours early to one of our concerts. We were a Christian band. We were called the Great Commission. We were like kind of hardcore punk emo type music. Don't judge me. And um, this kid, Wiley, we, we show up to this venue. We're getting ready to unload. And this, this kid runs up to us. He goes, are you guys the Great Commission? I'm like, yeah, we are. He goes, oh, my gosh, I'm your biggest fan. I said, you're our only fan. This is awesome. It's <laughs> like, what's up, dude? And he was like, dude, so, uh, uh, like, I showed up super early. My friends dropped me off. Some friends are going to come and uh, meet me here later. But, but is there any way I could just hang out with you guys till the show starts? I'm like, the show's starting in, like, six hours, bro. He's like, yeah, can I just hang out with you? Let me preface this story by saying Wiley was, um, what's that word? Socially awkward. <laughs> you ever like tell a joke to somebody and their response is that of a brick wall? And you're like, you're like I know it's funny. It, like, it works 90% of the time every time. Like, so, come on, like, like this is funny. I know, and it's like, you're like talking to him and you don't know if anything's landing. That was Wiley. Wiley was really, really, really awkward. Can I tell you, at 19, 20 years old when I was on this tour, like my biggest fear in life was awkward people. I'm like, like in ministry, I'm like, oh, dude, like send me to like people who are like alcoholics or drug addicts and I'll do ministry with them, you know. But someone who's just awkward, oh, gosh, it was like terrifying to me. And then all of a sudden I'm placed in a moment where he's like, can I hang out with you for six hours? I'm like, oh, God. And all of a sudden I kind of felt something in my heart. God didn't speak to me. It wasn't an audible voice. The clouds didn't part and dove came down and sunshine and nothing like that. But I just kind of felt this hang out with him. So I did. We had to, string, we had to restring our guitars that day. So it was like, hey, we're going to restring our guitars. You can come hang out. We're restringing our guitars. We're doing all the pre-show stuff, everything like this. Show's getting closer and closer. His friends aren't showing up. Show's getting closer and closer. Friends aren't showing up. We're getting ready to go on stage, and he's still by himself. So we're like, he's going to be standing in the crowd all by himself. So we say, hey, Wiley, why don't, you, why don't you come stand on stage with us? You can stand behind, like, the guitar, the guitar cabs. We had guitar amps on stage. You stand behind those. He's like, what? Oh, that's so cool. It's like I'm in the Great Commission. I said, don't get carried away, buddy. <laughs> he went and he came. He stood up on stage. His friends never came. He was there by himself all night. At the end of the night, he hits us with, hey, my friends ditched me. Is there any way you could give me a ride home? So we're like, well, where do you live? He gives us the address. It's like an hour and a half in the opposite direction. When you're on tour, you basically play a show, you load your stuff, you get in the car, and you drive to the next town. Typically, it's eight to ten hours of driving a night. We were going from city to city, state to state. And so another hour and a half in the opposite direction was kind of a big deal. We're like, do you have any other options? He's like, I don't. So we take him home, and he's dead silent for an hour and a half. We pull into his driveway, and he's a chatterbox talked to us for another couple hours, told us his story, told us what was going on in his life. His mom and his dad split up. His mom divorced his dad. She just took off. He hadn't seen his mom in years. His dad was borderline abusive, definitely verbally abusive. And he had started hanging out with some friends, the ones that were supposed to meet him at the show, that basically used him for the little bit of money he had, the basement he had at his house where his friend's band could practice that they wouldn't let him in, and then would use him as basically their punching bag tearing him down and making fun of him all the time. 
we didn't go and quote scripture to him beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. But what we did was we just hung out to him. We heard him out. We said, hey, look, we think that God has a plan for your life and he loves you. And we'll be praying for you. We dropped him off. We left. We went on our way. We didn't hear from him for the rest of the tour. But our guitar player, Angela, um, she managed our band at the time. And um, he had sent us an email about a month later. And in the email, he included the suicide note that he had written the night before he came to our show. And in the note, he had mentioned how our, our show was the last thing that he planned to do on planet Earth. And then he was going to go home and he was going to kill himself. And when he emailed us, he said, just hanging out with you guys, I don't know, it kind of changed my mind. Can I tell you, extraordinary moments often feel very ordinary in the moment. And, and hanging out with this kid never, never, like the keyboard wasn't playing. There weren't nice trendy lights a-glowing. Like Jake wasn't on guitar. Jordan wasn't singing. There wasn't an atmosphere. It felt, for the most part, super awkward. But later on, I realized how I should. Do not put past God the amazing things he can do in your life if you're just willing to step into a moment. Just jump out of what? Your boat, the place of comfort. The comfort zone is where dreams go to die. Let God use you. How? By jumping out of your boat. What does that look like for you? I want to challenge you with that. But isn't it funny how God tells us to jump in the most inopportune of seasons, in the most inopportune of moments? When does, when does Jesus tell Peter to jump out of the boat? In the middle of the night, in the middle of a sea, a lake, in the middle of a storm. Like you don't teach someone to surf when the waves are 20 feet at Mavericks, right? Wouldn't it been, make more sense for Peter to learn how to walk on water, like in six inches of water on a sunny Saturday afternoon? Nope. Jesus is like middle of the night, middle of a lake, middle of a storm. Let's run it. God is not going to wait for things to be perfect to use you. Jesus doesn't wait for it to be convenient to call you to do something significant. Are you in the middle of a storm right now? Does life seem crazy? Then be on the lookout for opportunity and calling for God to use you. Because he'll call you right in the middle of a storm. Amen? All right, let's keep moving. Matthew chapter 14. Let's jump into verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately. Everybody shout, immediately. Immediately. You. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were on the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. It's amazing to me that Peter, he jumped out of this boat. Now, now get the picture. Middle of the night, 3 a.m., pitch black. You don't even got moonlight, because remember, they're also not only in the middle of the night, in the middle of, like, they're in the middle of a storm. So there's cloud cover. You don't got moonlight out here. The stars aren't shining. And in that moment, there's some, like, shadowy figure on the water. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it's a ghost. And then some voice goes, don't worry. It's me, Jesus. And then Peter, being the crazy one, goes, well, if it's really you, tell me to come walk into you on the water. And then Jesus is like, okay, come on. And then Peter's like, okay. Gets over the railing, you know. 
And he looks down at the cold, dark water. He looks back at the disciples and they're like, yeah, go for it, dude. Better you than me. And then he jumps. Boom. And then he hits the surface of the water. Get the picture. He doesn't break the surface of the water. You ever cannonball and not break the surface of the water? First off, ouch, your tailbone's done. I just think how many of us, if that were us, were over the railing. Is it really you, Jesus? Yeah, come on. Back to the disciples. Then you jump and you hit the water and you don't break the surface. And now you're like standing on water. How many of us would be like, that's good enough for me. And get back into the boat. But that's not what Peter does. What does Peter do? Point number two, walk. He takes a step. He walks, and every single step that he takes, step after step, everyone is miraculous. One more miraculous than the other. Take, uh, look at your neighbor, say, take a step. You ever wonder, why did, why did Peter, when he gets back in the boat, he sinks, they, Jesus saves him, they get back into the boat, and then Jesus looks at Peter, and you remember what he says to Peter? You of little faith, thank you. You ever think this? Jesus, why would you say that? You ever think that? Like, time out. Whose idea was it to walk on water? It was Peter's idea, right? We often think, oh, Jesus told him, come on, come walk on water. No, it was Peter's idea. Peter apparently had so much faith that he was like, Jesus, if that's really you, I just kind of trust that you'll somehow, I don't know, manipulate the molecular makeup of this H2O to make me walk on it. Ah, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I got so much faith, I believe you'll do that. And, and it's Peter's idea, and not only does he come up with this big faith idea, he pulls it off. He jumps out of the boat. He's walking on water like it ain't no big deal. <laughs> don't make fun of my walk. <laughs> he's, <laughs> I went like this. I said, he's walking on water. <laughs> it's no big deal. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's how Peter walked on water? He's like over the rail. He's like, uh, uh, is it really you, Jesus? It's really me. Come on. He's like, Okay, <laughs> I'm going to be there soon. <laughs> Give me like 20 minutes. <laughs> I know you're 15 feet away, but I'll be there. <laughs> and, 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 and then he starts sinking, and then Jesus pulls him in the boat. He says, you of little faith. I don't know about you, but I've never walked on water. I've never walked on water. And imagine the amount of faith it must take to walk on water. So if Peter walked on water, and he has little faith, I must have like negative equity in my faith account. Here's what's interesting. In the original language, this word little faith, everyone say little faith. It, in the original language, this is the word oligos, the Greek word oligos. Everyone say oligos. Oligo. He said it like with a, like with a Spanish accent. That's oligos. <laughs> and this, this word oligos, it's a, it's a word of, of like measurement. It's a measurement word in the original language. But this isn't, a, this isn't like measurement of amount. It's not, it's, not, it's not a measurement of size or quantity. Check this out. This word oligos is a measurement of duration or distance in time. Are you catching on? What, what Jesus is saying, he's not saying, oh, Peter, you had a tiny little bit of faith. 
No, what he's saying is, Peter, you had a lot of faith. It was just really short-lived. Can I tell you, Church Bridge Youth, God has not called us to have short-lived faith. This is why I'm not too impressed for somebody who's like, for three months, like, I love Jesus. I love you. I'm gonna do, we're gonna change my school. We're gonna change the city. We're gonna change my family. Everybody's getting saved. The, the, the barista, people I see at the gym, the people on my basketball team, everybody. I'm telling everybody about Jesus. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I love that. Be about that. Like, yes. But anybody can be stoked on anything for three months. We're not called to have a Legos faith. Calling takes consistency. You know what impresses me? Someone who's followed Jesus for a decade, two decades. This is why a lot of times when I need advice, I go to someone who's been, who's been following Jesus for like a really, 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 really long time. That's why I love hanging out with our seniors ministry. Because they'll always feed you well. And they'll tell you the best stories and give you such good advice. We got to walk and keep walking. That's what Peter did. We got to live called, not complacent. I'll say that again. We got to live called not complacent. Too many people jump out of their boat. They have a huge moment of faith. Maybe they take a couple huge steps of faith. And then somewhere in the middle, they become complacent. Don't get complacent in the middle. So many people, when they think marriage, they think wedding. But wedding is one day. So much of marriage happens in the middle. I've been married 13 years. I don't know what 13 times 365 is. Bro, you lost me at 13. <laughs> times, oh, God, pi r squared. I have no clue. But one of those days was my wedding. No, anybody can get in front of a bunch of people and be like, oh, I do. Any, oh, sign where? Okay, cool. Now we get to go on a honeymoon? Woo! Anybody can do that. So much of it's sacrifice, it's commitment, it's showing up every day, it's choosing. I'm never gonna get bored with this relationship. I'm never gonna push it aside. I'm never gonna let this come second in my life. I'm not gonna take this, put it on the shelf, and let it get dusty. And so it is with our relationship with God. But so many people get complacent in the middle. Don't get complacent in the middle. How? Expect God to show up every day. This is why Jesus said, Pray like this, give us this day our daily bread, because yesterday's bread ain't good enough. Don't be content with what God did yesterday, last week, five years ago, ten years ago. This is why we do stuff like this. We change it up. We keep our relationship with God fresh. You got to walk and keep walking. Somebody shout walk. You got to walk. All right, let's move on. Matthew 14, verse 29. Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw, somebody say saw. When he saw the wind. Is it funny how you don't see wind? You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And he saw the wind. And what did the effects of the, just like you don't see gossip, but you can see the effects of gossip. Come on, somebody. Just like you don't see depression, but you can see the effects of depression. And what happened when he saw the wind? He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, immediately. Everyone say immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. When? When did, when did, when did Peter sink, though? When did Peter sink? 
when he saw the wind. Everybody say focus. That's your third point. Write that down, focus. We live in the middle of a fast-paced world where so much is pulling for your focus. Social media, entertainment, work, school, sports, relationships, you name it. Not to mention all the challenges and the storms of life. But it was, it was when Peter took his eyes, his focus off Jesus and turned his focus to the storm when he began to sink. Let me ask you this. You might want to write down this question. Where is your focus? Where is your focus? The storm seems strongest when you stare right at it. The storm seems strongest when you stare right at it. And in this moment, get the picture. Get the picture. Evander, you're going to be Jesus for us. Would you stand up, Evander? Ladies and gentlemen, you're westernized Jesus. No, you stay right there. Stay right there. Peter jumps out of the boat. He hits the water. He starts walking. And all the while, when he's like this, he's good. He's like, is it really you, Jesus? Your stunned silence is very reassuring. It's like, okay. And all the while, when it's this, he's good. He's chilling. But the moment he does this, he starts sinking. Now, only this section is going to really get this, but I think maybe he didn't do this. Because not all of us, like, in walking with Jesus, it's not like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Never mind. <laughs> like, turn. I think maybe he just did this. Jesus, is it really? And he just kind of, like, you guys didn't get to see that. He was like, Jesus, is it really? And he just moves his eyes. Like, his focus just shifts really quick. Thank you, Linfield Jesus. We appreciate you. It was the moment that he took his eyes off of Jesus that he began to sink. That his focus, the moment that his focus was jeopardized, he began to sink. This is why you can't look to the world or your friends or your boyfriend, come on somebody, or your girlfriend for your hope and your identity and your faith. And your deliverance, this is why you've got to have laser focus on Jesus. Especially when you're in the middle of a storm. Now here's the thing. What's remarkable to me is that Peter is walking on water. It is the most miraculous moment of his entire life. And in the most miraculous moment of his entire life, that's when his focus was jeopardized. That's when he took his eyes off of Jesus. In the middle of the moment that the storm rages the strongest, that's when you need to focus on Jesus the most. Can I tell you, can I tell you too, the enemy only attacks those he's most intimidated by. Do you feel like the enemy's attacking you like crazy? Do you feel like your life is a storm right now? Do you feel like you're living like dead center in the eye of a storm? Like your life looks something like a tornado and the enemy's throwing all he's got at you? Be encouraged. I love the way James says it. Are you facing trials of many kind? Take joy. What? Why? Because it means you're probably doing something right. Because the enemy's only going to send these storms at you. If you he's going to ignore you if you ain't doing nothing for the kingdom. Take it as an encouragement. Keep your focus on straight. Focus on God. Now here's the thing, what happens. It's not that like you'll be oblivious to the storms of life. No. We're not weirdo Christians that are like living in la-la land like when we get saved, it's all just rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. Everything's all good all the time and God is good all the time. That's not how it is. No. 
But when we are focused on God, everything else is just in the peripheral. And all of a sudden, hurricanes feel something more like a drizzle. Isn't it funny, today it rains and Californians were like, oh my gosh, build the ark. <laughs> it's like, huh, they start, the worst is how they drive. The moment it rains, Californians are like, oh my gosh. It's like, bro, it's literally like less than a shower. What is wrong with you? And that like, when your focus is on Jesus, hurricanes will seem like a little drizzle because you have hope. A great way to start conquering your storms instead of your storms conquering you is when you pray, what if you stopped praying about how big your storms are? You stop telling, you stop telling God how big your storms are you start telling your storms how big your God is? Oh, is that it? Is that all you got? Is that all you can throw at me? Oh, like you just must not know my God. You know something, this is really, really interesting band. You guys can start heading up. We're gonna start closing down. Um, you know something really interesting about this story? Let's be Bible nerds for a second. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. It's so interesting to me. Um, there's four books in the beginning of the New Testament called Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels because they're really similar. And then John is a little bit different in his Gospel account. But the first two books, Matthew and Mark, they both record this, um, this same story of this storm. So a guy named John Mark, he recorded the Gospel of Mark. But did you know that it's widely believed that he actually, what Mark was recording, was Peter's account of the gospel. Mark is Peter's POV of the gospel. I want you to notice something. Here's the same story, but not Matthew 14. Instead, Mark 6. Mark 6, verse 49. I want you to pay attention to the details and tell me if you notice anything missing. But they saw him walking on the lake. They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Sound familiar? All right, now check this out. Immediately, oh, there's that word. Everyone say immediately. Yeah, sounds really similar, right? Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse number 51. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. You notice anything missing? Where's Peter walking on water? Wait, if Mark, if Mark is actually, because here's the thing, Peter was, if you didn't know, Peter was a fisherman, which meant that Peter was probably illiterate. He didn't know how to read or write. So it made sense that Mark, John Mark, someone who was educated, would be the one that was like the, hey Siri, text blah, blah, blah. He was like, hey Mark, record the gospel account. Here's what happened. And he starts telling it. And Mark's recording Peter's account. So if it's Peter's POV of the story, why would Peter leave out that he walked on water? Now let me tell you, if we're ever hanging out and I walk on water, include that story every time. Every time you ever talk to anybody, if my name comes up, if you're like, oh yeah, one time me and Corey, we went and got Mexican food. It wasn't the day he walked on water. It was a different day. If it's me, bro, I am mentioning it every, anytime I see a body of water, I'd be like, let me tell you a story. <laughs> this one time. <laughs> it could be a jacuzzi, a pool, a lake, an ocean, a pond. It could be a bottle of Arrowhead, the worst water on the planet. And I will tell you 
about how I want. But Peter, when he's telling Mark what to record, he gets to verse 50, and he's like, and then he got back into the boat, and the wind died down. And John Mark's like, anything else? And Peter's like, no, no, nothing else. Why? Why would Peter leave that part out? I can't help but to think. Maybe what we read as a story of great faith, Peter remembers as a story of great failure. Like when we first started reading this this story, what did you focus on? Did you focus on the faith or the failure? Did you focus on the walking or the sinking? Which one stood out to you? Let me say it like this. When you go to sleep tonight, when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, what will you remember about your life, your day, what you're right in the middle of? Will you remember your victories and your triumphs and your faith and all the ways you've trusted God? Or will you remember your sins and your failures and how much you've messed up and all the ways in which you've made mistakes? What will you remember? Will you remember your faith or your failures, your walking or your sinking? I don't know who this is for, but I wrote this down. And, and in my notes, this is big, it's bright, it's legitimately in lime green. You're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. I can't help but to think that maybe Peter, all he could remember was that he doubted Jesus and he started sinking. Well, so many others were like, yeah, but you had so much faith. And Bless you. Can I tell you, this walk of faith, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. It's not about perfection. It's about progression. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect because we aren't. It's why he died on the cross. Can I just say, if you're... If you're waiting to feel worthy of God's call, you're never going to answer it. If you're waiting to feel significant, to do something significant, God wants to use you right now, right in the middle of all your imperfections, all your failures. Look at Peter. You want to know something crazy? Jesus knew he would sink. And he still called him out of the boat. One of my favorite things about God is he's all-knowing. Anybody know theologically what that's called? Omni- oh, you're really close. Yeah, omniscient. Really, She's going to be the Bible trivia winner, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, omniscient. Omniscient. That means that God, did you know, God knows everything. Literally everything. God knows what you're going to think before you think it. <laughs> kind of scary, right? I searched the scriptures and there's one thing. Somebody say one thing. There's one thing that God doesn't know. This is crazy. One thing. How could God be omniscient but have one thing that he doesn't know? Here's the only thing he doesn't know. He doesn't know the sins of those who've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because scripture says he chooses to remember them not. Now I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if like on God's MacBook Pro desktop, because God definitely uses Apple products, if there's like this file and it says, Corey's sins and failures. And then it's like, you like click on it, more info. It says like 8 billion terabytes. And somehow because of Jesus, God grabs that file 
and he holds the little mouse button and he, he takes it all the way to the bottom right of the screen because what's down there? The trash. And then he drops it into the trash. But how many of you know? Oh, it's still there. You can still access it. But not when God's involved because then what God does is he clicks the right button, the right click, and it says empty trash. And then he hits it and that thing pops up. Boop. Are you sure you want to empty your trash? Because then these files will forever be gone. And God clicks empty. I don't know like how that works in heaven. But God doesn't see your sins if you have Jesus covered. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean that we go and sin. No, quite the opposite. Paul writes that later. No, no, no. We strive for holiness. We strive to be who God's called us to be. But we don't sit and soak in the history and the, the, the weight and the storm of our failures. We thank God for his grace and his mercy. And we focus. On, we make... We make what Jesus did on the cross bigger than what we did in our past. And that becomes our focus. Anybody else thankful for Jesus? Anybody else thankful that he's washed away our past? That he's forgiven our sins? Anybody else thankful that when we're, when we're sinking and drowning in a sea of sin, that Jesus doesn't sit there and go, we better get to swimming. But it was Jesus that closed the gap and went and rescued Peter. We're Peter. He went, he closed the gap. He came to us. My last point, the rest of the band can come and get ready, is this. When you're in the middle of a storm, do what Peter did. Cry out. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Like Peter, if you feel like you're sinking, if you feel like you are neck deep, about to go under, do what Peter did. Cry out. Maybe the doctor's given you or a loved one bad news. Cry out to Jesus. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm and, and your parents have lost their jobs and you don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. Cry out to Jesus. Maybe your storm is one of what seems like inevitable divorce. Cry out to Jesus. Maybe you're in a storm in a season of just being brokenhearted. You can't rem remember the last time you didn't cry yourself to sleep. Cry out to Jesus. Maybe you're in a season. Maybe even the storm that you're in is depression. Do what Peter did. Cry out to Jesus. Because I love what Matthew says. He says immediately. Someone say immediately. You guys were wondering, why does he keep telling us to say immediately? It's because when we cry out to Jesus, he responds immediately. And I know, I get it. I've been following Jesus for like 16, 17 years of my life. Sometimes it doesn't feel like he, 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 he responds immediately. Sometimes we feel like we cry out and he's like leaving us on red. Sometimes it feels like we cry out and he's ignoring us. But it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. When we cry out to our Savior, He responds immediately. And if tonight you need to cry out to Jesus, you need to cry out to your Lord, your Savior, your God, can I tell you, He will respond immediately. Right here, right in the middle of your storm, right in the middle of your failure, right in the middle of all that life has thrown at you, right in the middle of maybe just complacency, he will respond immediately. When you start to sing, cry out to Jesus. I, 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 was, I was thinking, um, 
if you're gonna if you're gonna sink anywhere where would you want to sink closest to a lifeguard right don't drift too far from Jesus because the further you drift the more likely you are to drown he's calling you tonight sermon in a sentence he's calling will you answer bow your heads close your eyes God we thank you we thank you that when we cry out to you you respond immediately and that's what we do tonight with heads bowed with eyes closed if you're in this place and maybe tonight you would say that's me Pastor Corey I need to cry out to my Savior maybe tonight you do feel like you are drowning in a sea of sin mistakes that you've made can I tell you God is so ready to forgive you where sin abounds grace abounds much more he doesn't run out of forgiveness. He's got more than enough for you. I know, Pastor Corey, but that's for everybody else. You don't know how bad I've been. You don't know what I've done. No, I don't, but God does. And God knew, Jesus knew that Peter would sink, and he still called him. He knows every single thing that you've ever done. And while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can have forgiveness of sin. Maybe, maybe tonight you've been, you feel like you're drowning in the middle of the storm of life, like your life is a tornado, everything's hit rock bottom, God loves to meet people at rock bottom. And if tonight you want forgiveness of your sin, you want freedom, you want a new beginning, you want, like Peter did, to cry out to Jesus, if that's you, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to respond in just a moment. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, with heads bowed, with eyes closed, nobody distracting anybody, this is a public setting, but a private moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, when I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand. You can put it right back down. Here we go. This is your moment. This is your time. I had my moment. I was 15 years old at a Christian club at my school. This is your moment. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All over this place. And so many hands. Amazing. Amazing. You can put your hands right back down. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. This is our version of crying out to Jesus. The Bible says, Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead and you will be saved. I know that for many of you, you're thinking that's way too easy. I know. I know, but that's the gospel. So we're gonna all pray together. Don't worry, we're a family here. We're all in this together. We're gonna pray together. Whether you rose your hand or didn't, we're all gonna say these words. Wrap your heart around these words. Repeat this right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. God, I need you. I'm sinking. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, if you just made that decision, you just prayed that prayer, it's the best prayer you could ever pray. It's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. It's not the last step, it's just the first step. We wanna walk the next few steps out with you with a tool we call the next seven days. It's these seven videos, we wanna get them to you. How do I get those, Corey? You just go to our Instagram, at bridgeYTH underscore, DM us the words next seven, we'll handle the rest. We'll connect you with a leader, we'll get you these seven videos, they'll answer some questions that you have, they'll help you in walking out your, the next steps of your faith journey. Hey, one more time. Can we welcome people into God's family?
Hey, nobody move forward just yet, but no one distract anybody. Just stand up right where you're at, right there. There's two groups of people I want to pray for before we move into a time of worship. Number one, you might be someone in the room, maybe you're watching online and you're like, Corey, the moment you started talking about storms, I immediately just, I related to that. My life's an all-out storm right now. I've got so much going on. There's so much happening. I'm struggling. I'm trying to keep my head above water, but, but it's tough. And maybe you're here and you would say, Corey, I would love for you to pray for me. I would love to have some leaders pray for me. I, I don't know exactly how this moment's going to flesh out, but if that's you, if that's you, I would love to pray for you. I'd love to have some people gather around you and pray for you. Um, if that is you and you would have the courage like Peter did to take a step out and you are walking through a storm and you need prayer, you need someone to stand with you, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip out of your seat right now and just come meet me right here in the middle somewhere? Just slip out of your seat right now. Come meet me in the middle right here. If you're going in a storm, you guys want prayer? Anybody? Anybody else? If you're walking through anything right now, but you need prayer, you want people to stand with you, you guys can move forward if you want. Do me a favor, leaders. Whoa. <laughs> I, looked, I looked this way, and I turned around, and there was a whole group of people. Leaders, if you guys want to come gather around some of these people and just pray with them. came down that's you and maybe maybe you weren't quite comfortable to come meet us somewhere in the middle then right where you're at just bow your head close your eyes take a deep breath in let it out and like Jesus said to a storm I say to your storm your situation in Jesus name peace be still God thank you that you're with us through every storm you walk with us you never leave us. You never forsake us. God, storms have a tricky way of making us feel so alone and so isolated. God, we thank you that we're never alone. You walk with us. God, I pray that you would show up in every storm represented here. God, that you would intervene in families, that you would be provider, that you would be healer, that you would be restoration. God, for those struggling with, God, for those struggling with depression, anxiety, would you heal them? God, those struggling with heartbrokenness, would you bring healing to them? God, I pray that those who can't see themselves as you see them, God, fix their self-image. God, help us to see us as you see us. And I pray that there's not a single storm of life that'll conquer us. We will conquer the storm because you, Jesus, you speak over our storms and you say, peace be still. Leaders, you guys can keep praying right there. This might be for some of the people here, but some people still at their seats. There's one more group of people I wanted to pray for. Those are people who are done, done living lives of complacency. You're done being like the other 11 disciples that just stayed in the boat, nice and comfy and safe and dry and warm and no risks. And I just think that like in the middle of the storm, in the middle of all the junk we're walking through, in the middle of everything the enemy throws at us, that for some of us, we're like, I 
don't care. I want God to use my life. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to believe that that's basically everybody in this room. That would say, I like Peter, I'm ready to take a step. And I want to pray a prayer tonight that says, God, here I am. Use me. Not for mediocre. Not for, not for little tiny things. Not for something, you know, not for, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like take the trash out for my mom. I don't know. That could be like a miracle for some people in the room. But like, for like God, use me in big things. Amazing things. Risky things that will take massive amounts of faith that are going to stretch and grow me. So all over this place, do me a favor. Would you lift your hands to the sky as a moment of surrender and faith? God, would you use us? Here I am, God. Use me. Send me. Every one of us, God. We don't want to live lives of complacency. And some of us, we just step forward because we're right dead center in the middle of a storm of life. We're struggling. Some of us feel like we're sinking. Some of us feel like we're living in the middle of a tornado. But God, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. We want to be used by you. We don't want to live lives of comfort and complacency. God, we want to have faith. And not just big faith that's short-lived. We want to have faith that lasts, that goes on. Consistency, where we never grow complacent. So we say, God, with every bit of faith in our hearts, use us. Here we are. Use us. God, we want to see miracles through our lives. We want to see people saved. We want to see people restored. God, we want to see you build your kingdom and to use us to do it. We want to be a part of your plan. So we say, here I am. Use me. And we thank you, God, that through it all, we don't got to walk alone. We're never alone. You're always with us. You never leave us. You, <coughs> you never forsake us, God. Even when Peter was in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the sea, as he's sinking, you were right there. We thank you that you're always right there with us. Hands lifted high. Just begin to worship God right where you're at. God, we worship you. We praise you. We honor you. Now, God, we move into a moment of worshiping you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name. Now let's spend some moments in worship. You can stay right where you're at. You can move around. You can spread out. But let's spend some time in worship.
doing some stuff inside of some hearts tonight. spiritual warfare which sounds weird but this is a lot of times how Jesus operates he operated his ministry here on earth and what would be considered an upside-down kingdom meaning the way that we see things is different than how Jesus saw things and how Jesus did things so when Jesus talked about victory you know how Jesus won the battle he died Jesus took on our sins and our mistakes and he died on a cross and he rose again from the grave so that you and I can have victory. The way that we fight our battles, the way that we engage within spiritual warfare is that we get on our knees and we pray. The way that we fight our battles is that we surrender, which sounds totally contrary than what we may even think or imagine. But right now inside of this moment, it's a special time because the presence of God is here. We have faith, we're anticipating God to do something. And so what I want us to do is I want us just to stay in this moment right now. And right now, will we all just close our eyes? Stay within this moment. The reason why we tell you guys to close your eyes, it's not to manipulate anything, but it's literally just so you can focus in on what God is doing. And right now, what I want you guys to do is that I want you to pick a posture. Some people might have a posture of lifting up your hands straight up to the sky. That's a sign of surrender, saying, God, you can have it all. Maybe for some of us, your posture is going to be your hands right on in front of you with your palms facing up as a sign of saying, God, I'm ready to receive what it is that you have for me. For some of you, your posture is that you're going to get on your knees as a sign of humility, saying, God, I cannot do this without you. For some of you, it's just sitting down on the floor and just embracing the presence of God. So right now, all across this room, could we all pick a posture to fight in? Could we all pick a battle stance right now? Don't think of this as just worship. Think of this as miracles happening. Think of this as faith building up inside of your life. Think of this as miracles uh, 
coming to life inside of you right before your eyes. Come on now, as we all worship, can we all just sing this part out as a family, as a community, as a body of believers, crying out to God with our hearts opened up to him. Can we sing this out? This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how. And this is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how. This is how I find my this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. And this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I things as we were just singing that right now one of the words that came to mind was relationship and the image that I got was a student and a parent relationship that is not in the best place maybe something happened maybe there's a parent in your life who walked away or who is distant and your prayer is that God would bring that relationship back together. And I almost had like this image 
in my mind of like a chain that was once broken being reformed back together. And the idea that whatever caused that divide is not gonna keep that link apart. And that for some people tonight, when you go home, don't be surprised if you see a message from that person who was disconnected in your life. Don't be surprised if maybe you left home and you left your mom or your dad and the relationship was in one state. Don't be surprised when you come back home and it's totally different. Don't be surprised when the relationship is all better because right now within this moment, you were just fighting a battle. And your battle was a relationship with your parent. And what God wanted to do is that God wanted to reform that relationship by you fighting this battle here tonight. And here's what happened ultimately. Corey talked about it a few moments ago within his message. He said that the extraordinary is disguised in the ordinary. What did we do right now? We did the ordinary. Because another definition for ordinary is just day to day. Right, it's a routine. We do this every Wednesday, right? We come together, we worship, we just go through the same routine over and over again. But what just happened right now is that an extraordinary event took place out of an ordinary event. And God was able to work and he's able to move. And here's the amazing part, is that God doesn't just stay here, God goes with you. So when you go to school tomorrow, God's gonna be with you. When you go back home, God's gonna be with you. When you go with your friends, God's gonna be with you. And even while you're at home and while you're at school and when you're with your friends, there's gonna be boats, AKA comfort zones that you find yourselves in that God wants to take you out of so that you can go and do the extraordinary. So don't be surprised tomorrow when you're in math class, when it's an ordinary moment and God calls you out of your boat, AKA your desk to go and talk to somebody. Don't be surprised when you're at lunch and you're in your boat, AKA your friend group who you always hang out with, who you always joke with, and God calls you out of that to go and talk to somebody about what happened inside of your life. Or maybe your boat is a mental state. Maybe your boat is an insecurity. Maybe you're afraid about talking about your faith and maybe God wants to call you out of that tomorrow and that same friend group who has no idea that you go to church, you're gonna let them know what Jesus did inside of your life tonight. The extraordinary is disguised in the ordinary. And what you were doing was that you were essentially enlisting yourself for God to use you and for God to do amazing things inside of your life. So don't be surprised when tomorrow shows up and God starts to use you. Don't think that it's just a coincidence because look back on this moment and think, if God could do it there, he can do it at my school. He can do it in my family. He can do it when I'm back home because the same God who's here is the same God that goes with you everywhere that you go, amen. Hey, can we make some noise for the people who gave their life to Jesus tonight? Man, what an amazing decision that you made. Up on the screens, we have the way of how you can get the next seven days because we know entering into this relationship with Jesus can be a little bit tricky at times, but DM us on Instagram at bridgeYTH. DM us next seven, and we'll give you guys the resources to start walking this journey out with you. Don't forget also, we don't just meet on Wednesday nights. We also meet on Sunday mornings as well. Come through on Sunday at our 11.30 a.m. service. It's gonna be awesome. We got connect groups going on. It's gonna be sick. And is that it? Dope. Hey, how many of you guys liked the middle? Crazy. (laughs) 
Um, I think I'm preaching next week, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But how many of you guys love Corey's message tonight? All right. Hey, love you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you guys on Sunday morning.